We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hello, and welcome back to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 58. Our guest today is the Chief Executive Officer of Days End Farm Horse Rescue. Days End is a nonprofit, volunteer based animal welfare organization that started in 1989 that ensures quality care and treatment for horses through intervention, education, and outreach. The mission of Days End Farm Horse Rescue is to not only rescue and rehabilitate suffering horses, but to prevent abuse and neglect through education and community outreach. So, here today to talk about Days End Farm horse rescue here is Erin Ochoa thank you so much for coming on the podcast well, thanks for having me yeah well we'll get into stuff with day's end but I would love to kind of get a feel for how you first got into the equestrian world and what that looked like for you yeah I was definitely the typical horse crazy girl like I'm sure many of the, your listeners you know were as well and my dad was all on board because it kept me sort of focused and away from you know, boys totally yep <laughs> grew up doing Pony Club and PBDA. You really got into eventing and then later on did more of dressage. Went to college focusing on psychology and education and sort of, you know, horses became a little bit of a back burner for me, but I always had a passion definitely for horses. Through college, I was uh, going, I was at a vet clinic, you know, working part-time. So I was getting you know, a little bit of a background in small animal medicine and then I decided, well, I want to start my own nonprofit. So I went the direction of therapeutic riding, okay. went certified, came back home with the ambitions of starting this nonprofit and happened to need to also help pay my mortgage. So I saw that they had an ad at Day's End for a farm manager and decided to sort of take that on by I was getting my own venture going. Within three months of working at Day's End, I realized that it was like the perfect mesh of mm-hmm. everything that sort of I wanted, from the education and psychology pieces to the medicine side of things. Hmm. Day's End did it all. It's a very unique you know, place in that it's not just a horse rescue. It very much is a you know public front entry point for a lot of people really, really focusing on education here is a, is a big thing. So at this point, from you uh, joining the Days End team, how long had Days End been around? So I've been with the organization for 15 years and okay. we incorporated 30 years last year. So wow. it was halfway into its existence when I wow. joined. So I've been really blessed to see it sort of grow so quickly. You know, one of the things I think because I had that experience with sort of starting and trying to get my own nonprofit going, mm-hmm. is realizing and having the experience that it's a lot of work. I mean, you have yeah. to have not only personal passion, but people who are around you that are really helping to support those initial efforts. Because, you know, when I look back and think about our founders, Kathy and Alan, this was like a family thing. This was mm-hmm. coming out of their po- their pocketbook. They were, you know, trying to find people within their community to, t- to help support this cause. 
And so being able to kind of come into a nonprofit 15 years after sort of all of that hardship of starting something, sure. you know, I was really able to jump into something that allowed me to really focus my talents to continue to grow something. But yeah, I have just so much admiration for those who, you know, are able to get a nonprofit up and going. And for horse rescues, 70% of them fail within the first three years. So, you know, it, it's a lot of work. Yeah. In any, you know, given day, I'm sure each day probably looks different for you. What does a normal day look like? You know, I think right now with us dealing with this quarantine, it is the complete opposite of what we're used yeah. to because it is so regular right now. I mean, it's same horses, same people, same systems. And what Days End is used to is an ever-changing environment. Sure. A tour showing up randomly, you know, or having uh, a whole education school group come to having an impoundment, you know, that's called last minute that we're often running to get horses and coming back and then setting up a whole quarantine for horses. Sure. That's what I would say is days in is an ever changing environment. So this has been tough for us because every day now is the same. Yeah. 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 Definitely a new normal for sure. So when you are going through the process of bringing new horses in, what does that process look like? Are there certain horses that you decide not to take in? Are any horses welcome? What does that look like? So we focus strictly on horses that have been seized from animal control. Okay. Getting them. They're pretty, you know, severe starvation, neglect, or abuse cases. Sometimes we do deal if a county is dealing with someone in their community who could just no longer care for their horses. Sometimes we'll take those horses in as well proactively for them at the county's request. But typically what we're seeing are horses that, you know, are in pretty bad shape. And there isn't a specific breed that we take in. We're on all breed rescue. So anything from, you know, thoroughbred quarter horses to drafts to minis. Last year, for some reason, was a big year for the minis. We had more <laughs> than we ever have. Wow. And, you know, they're pretty easy to keep fat. So it's, you know, pretty bad to get a bunch of skinny, you know. Yeah. But, you know, the backgrounds of these horses are, are, are so varied, you know, and that's the one thing is, in our rescue, we don't get to pick and choose who comes in. We're not, you know, hand selecting horses. We really do, you know, get to see such a wide variety of where they're starting at. You know, some of them have been show horses, some of them have been racing, uh, some just, you know, breeding brood mares. A lot of horses come in who are, you know, pretty much untouched. And so they're learning from the scratch, which I know our trainers, I think that's their favorite is the ones who haven't had a lot of uh, background because they get to start fresh. But yeah. It's always a treat to get new horses who maybe have found their way to us too, who've had a lot of training and new time that was put into them. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. But I get what you mean. Sometimes no past experience is better than bad past experience. Yeah, it definitely can be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I guess like another part of your role is educating the community. So how do you educate in the equestrian community or in your neighboring community about quality care treatment of horses? You know, I think because I grew up sort of in the show world and I was kind of like right before social media started when I was younger. So, you know, I, I was really surprised at my own level of education around animal welfare 
after working at Days End, certainly, you know, you get a crash course in it. But it wasn't the side of the horse world that I saw, for sure. Mm -hmm. And I remember looking at horses sometimes as as, uh, projects, too, and taking them on, you know, to ultimately, you know, find them another home and, you know, potentially even make a profit on it. Sure. I remember my dad taking me out to uh, a farm that was down the street and there was a off the track thoroughbred who was there, wasn't receiving good care. And he was clearly what I know now was a horse that definitely was neglected and needed intervention. But what I saw was a horse that was unhealthy and obviously needed attention and groceries and things like that. But I saw, I didn't see it in the same way as that somebody was neglecting that animal. And so, you know, what I've learned is, is that not, not to make an assumption that everybody knows what to do when they see something like that. And, you know, I would have never even probably known outside of cartoons what animal control even was or the concept of it, or that there were people out there whose jobs were to protect animals. So nowadays, you know, now that my daughter, who's 13, they're so inundated with it, you know, social media and seeing things. And so they're growing up in such a different world and have such a different concept than I had growing up in the horse community about what to do or what's okay. And so I think that we're really in a good position to continue to engage our community through our social media, through our outreach efforts. We have, we do a lot of boosts, you know, things like that. We also, we're open to the public every single day, which is, wow. you know, a lot of people are, you know, I talk to in the rescue world or even equestrian world, like you make an appointment to come to people's farms and people literally can drive past our farm any day of the week from nine to four and stop in and see what we're doing. Wow. It's really a concept that our founders instilled in the culture of the organization. And I really do, you know, 15 years after being here, it is such a cool thing because that transparency, that acceptance of anybody's welcome here to see what we're doing, I think is really why Days End has been able to be as successful as it has been. Mm-hmm. So let's say so that one of our listeners sees a horse in their neighborhood or, you know, uh, driving by that would be in need of some care. Obviously, you take horses from all over the country, correct? Um, typically, horses that are pretty neglected, you know, they can't really make a long trailer haul. So we mm-hmm. definitely partner with um, organizations that are in the tri-state area and bigger impoundments that the ASPCA is involved in, certainly if the horses have had sort of that initial triaging and now they just need a place to sort of finish up their rehab uh-huh. with cases in that, in that regard too. Got it. Most states and counties all have some type of animal control or humane society that are charged with basically the investigations of animal cruelty and neglect. Some counties and states, their sheriff department actually, you know, they're the ones that are responsible for that. So definitely making a call is important. And the goal for these agencies isn't to go out and take people's horses. Like that's really the last thing they want to do because there's only so many resources to go around. So really what they want to do is educate. And so I think the key is, is that it all comes back down to education and, you know, these agencies going out and helping to educate the owners um, or help identify resources that would improve the conditions of the horses. Um, sometimes it's just, they don't, they don't realize that horses need a dental and we've gotten so many horses in that once that's taken care of, you know, weight starts coming back. pretty, pretty Totally. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, that's a really good point. What does your team at Day's End look like? What are kind of all the moving parts that keep it working so well? 
we have, well, the admin piece to sort of make sure the lights stay on. Uh, and then our equine programs team is they're they're the ones that are really responsible for the day-to-day care of the animals. That's everything from being responsible from intake, from the seizure part to ultimately adoption and going home. So we have we're lucky enough to have two trainers on staff and a team of equine care staff that are there every day administering medicines, feeding, you know, helping to sort of that rehab process. In the first initial months, it, it takes about three to six months to fully rehab them. Mm-hmm. They go off into our training department where they receive an evaluation. And that's about another three months of figuring out what it is that they know or don't know. And then also what they're going to be best utilized for next. Okay. And what is the evaluation look like? Because again, it must be like a case by case situation, but I'm sure there are certain components you look at to, you know, deem a horse ready for, you know, adoption or its next kind of phase in life. Yeah, I'd say it's probably two phases. One, it's exiting sort of out of the rehabilitation phase. Mm-hmm. And that means that they're basically, you know, of a healthy weight. They're on a, sort of a maintenance diet at that point. They've had anything like, you know, farrier work that's needed or, you know, dentals, you know, all of their deworming is up and done. And then they start to slowly transition to the training department, which really has to bring them up slowly. You know, these horses have been debilitated. They've lost muscle and fat. And so our trainers put a lot of time and attention into building all of that back up and really carefully monitoring it. Got it. Okay, hold that thought because I would love to take a minute to talk to you about our sponsor today. Are you familiar with the Tack Hack? Think of it as a Nordstrom rack for equestrians. Shop thetackhack.com for your favorite premium tack and riding apparel brands at discounted prices. Interested in saddle consignment? The Tack Hack also offers a minimum of 70% commission on your premium jumping or dressage saddles. Plus, your saddle ships to them for free. And attention listeners, take advantage of this special podcast discount code, you can enjoy an additional 20% off your next purchase with code podcast. Limit is one time per customer and sorry guys, that code excludes saddles. Head over to their website at thetackhack.com and take advantage of the deals. The Tack Hack, the sport you love for less. Thank you, Tack Hack. Okay, let's head back to the episode. I know you have a pretty extensive volunteer program. What do those kind of levels look like for handling and and riding? How do you get in on that and explain the levels to me? Yeah, that's sort of the other piece is our community outreach piece. You know, they're responsible for really all things education, you know, bringing our volunteers in. We have about 1,200 volunteers a year. Wow. Of that, 80% of them are beginners. They're new to horses. And that says a lot about the level of people that are out there that really want to get involved in the equestrian community. And I think that days end sort of a nice place to get started. It might not be where everybody ends because we really don't do a lot of riding out of our trainers, mm-hmm. but we certainly, you know, our volunteers are you know very critical in making sure that all the day to day happens. Um, and then, you know, the education side of it is everything from, you know, Girl Scout troops that come in to school groups that come through. We have a homeschool program that runs in the fall and spring. So a lot of education that's certainly going on there as well. Yeah. I'm sure that especially the people who are doing the the day-to-day handling and care must get attached to a lot of these horses. And, you know, it's they, they've probably seen them at a not great stage and then seeing them get 
healthy and fit and happy again. And then they go on their way to find a home. How do you go about kind of screening that process to kind of ensure that when the horses leave day's end, that they will be at a a home that will kind of continue that care? It's certainly a bittersweet process Mm -hmm. because get attached. But I think really everybody at Days End understands that, you know, because we are not a sanctuary facility, we we are, you know, an adoption facility. We're there to sort of help rehabilitate these horses and then find them a more permanent placement. Right. That we all understand that, you know, horses are social animals. They they want to be together. They like their buddy. I mean, you know, people can resonate with imagine taking one horse out of the herd and that whole dynamic changes. And so for us, you have that potentially happening all the time, every time, you know, horse comes in or gets adopted. So we really stress that we want them to find that more permanent type placement where they can have a better quality of life. When you come and visit Day's End, we are so blessed to, unlike, you know, an animal shelter who has to cage their animals, that they can be out on herds. Like that's really rehabilitated enough to start going out, they're out. Like we want them to really be able to to be, be a horse. So the screening process to sort of get them to that phase, filling out an adoption interest form. And that really just sort of lets us know what exactly they're looking for. And sometimes they've been on our website and they've seen a particular horse that they, you know, want to inquire about. You know, once the next sort of step comes, it's really coming to the farm and meeting the horse um, and talking to the trainer who's been working with the horse and getting a good sense of the match. Um, And I think because they put a lot of time into that communication piece, you know, really ensuring that the horse is going to be the right fit for the person and, you know, vice versa. I think that's really the key of why the adoptions work so well. And because a horse that has ever come through Days End's gates can always come back, meaning if if life circumstances change and, you know, 10 years down the road, you can no longer keep this horse, they're welcome to send that horse back to us. Okay. So it's, it's in our best interest to make sure that it's the best fit possible because the last thing we want is to keep having horses coming back because we haven't done it, you know, good job of pairing, but around, um, 65 to 70 adoptions every year. So a lot of Mm -hmm. horses that are, you know, finding, finding homes. Amazing. How long would you say, I know in the beginning you kind of gave a time frame, but what's, what's like the average time that a horse stays in your program? Probably between six and nine months, I would say from like time of arrival to, you know, finding a home Uh, that varies based on the length of rehabilitation. You know, if they're older and maybe a horse takes a little bit longer, hoof neglect can be some of our hardest cases because it takes a full year for a horse to grow out a new hoof. So if that hoof comes in excessively damaged or overgrown, those cases can take a long time. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much the average. Got it. And when you are starting the process, again, it's a lot of times probably something where the horse needs some groceries, needs to gain some weight. There's probably certain, you know, nutrients and minerals that the horse might lack. What are some of your go-to things that you tend to feed your horse or, or give your horse for supplements to help them get to that healthier state? Well, the first thing is that the, the most important thing to rehabilitation is water. I mean, mm-hmm. really, if we can't get horses drinking, you know, enough, then colic is something that we face, you know, pretty early in the onset of rehabilitation. So when they first come in, it's just really trying to get them to drink as much water as we can start getting in them. Um, We'll start them on very small 
handfuls of just, you know, high quality hay, just starting mm-hmm. to get their, their body, you know, moving again. A lot of these horses have been without food for, you know, some time. And so just wow. getting that moving again. Senior feeds are actually, you know, one of our, if you were to ask what's the go-to sort of feed, it works very well for young horses as well because of the high, you know, fat content in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's definitely little feedings multiple times. That's that's sort of our key with getting these guys going. Got it. That also the any quick major change in their eating or digestive system, like that's obviously not what you want either. So doing probably everything you do, it has to be done slowly and gradually. Yeah. And we found there's a product, you know, a nibble net or a slow feeder net that we you know, use, you know, pretty much with all our rehabilitation cases, but it's great to really, you know, encourage that slow feeding process where they're, you know, just having to work to get the food out. Mm-hmm. So that's great to sort of supplement them uh, with something to do naturally, you know, um, in between those feedings. Mm-hmm, definitely. What do you find has been one of your more like rewarding or, or a, some, a, a situation that sticks out in your head as like a, a big success story that you've had for any of your horses at day's end? Gosh, there's so many come through, but I would say that probably the success stories that stick out most to me personally are the older horses who sort of come in and uh, have had that clearly well-kept life at some point. They, they have a lot of training. They have a lot of trust and try, you know, in, in us still. And I think it resonates because, you know, they sort of have known what good life is and somehow have fallen into this bad circumstance and were able to sort of not have to end their sort of life on that note. So those are the ones that stand out the most to me, you know, being able to get them into a home. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, it's that they can still go on to riding or light riding homes. And sometimes it's just finding them that sort of last place to, you know, land. And, you know, sometimes it, it's here, it's even just with us at day's end, you know, we, we will have sometimes have to make end of life decisions for some of these horses coming in. But I, I know that we can feel good about that because, you know, the process that goes into doing that. Right. Definitely. What would be an area of the industry that you are particularly passionate about that you feel like the rest of the equestrian community either doesn't know a lot about or doesn't talk a lot about? I'm noticing, you know, in my conversations within the Maryland horse industry and everybody really is starting to want to talk about welfare issues, things that people seem to be concerned about. And I think that that says a lot about, you know, the quality that the industry wants to see, you know, reflected in us. Definitely. And with everything with COVID, have you found that it has changed your, your day-to-day practices? What are you kind of anticipating once things are up and running again? What is kind of the thought process going in, in that regard? Well, I think we're definitely getting the the minimums that need to have to happen, you know, like, so I don't, I'm sure that a lot of horses could use a really good spring cleaning right now. Everybody Mm -hmm. should be not having that volunteer base that we so rely on to come in and help us with all the extras. Uh, That's what I think, you know, we're most looking forward to is just getting back up to that 
higher standard of care that I know um, that we have at the farm. I mean, even down to scrubbing buckets or, you know, getting all of those little things done that the, the horses, you know, right now we're so lucky that our staff have all been healthy and are there you know, taking care of the horses cases. Um, but we are anticipating, you know, one of the effects that potentially could happen with the COVID is, you know, once things settle down coming into fall and you are seeing more maybe economic impacts that we could see an increase in either horses being returned from our adopter base or horses that, you know, find themselves in neglected situations uh, because of because of the economics behind all of this. Right, definitely. How can someone listening both near and far help be a part of Day's End or help, you know, support your cause and what you're doing? Definitely, you know, following us on our social media would be great because you can learn a lot about us and see what we're doing, learn about new horses that are coming in or programs that we're promoting. Donations are always needed. I mean, this this can't happen without our donors. And we're, we're so blessed that for being around for 30 years that we can show people, you know, a lot of success stories, you know, mm-hmm. that their investment that went into this organization, you know, they can really see where their dollars go. Right. Definitely. Well, Erin, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast and teaching us more about Day's End. And I think the program's incredible. And it's it's good to know that there are some really wonderful programs out there for people to just have on their radar for anything that were to pop up or anything that they hear about to have a program that they know takes in horses and takes really great care of them so that they can go to a loving home. So I really appreciate all that you're doing and I wish you all the best. Great. Thank you so much for having me. All right. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you next week.